Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. We're doing something new. I am not broadcasting from the station. I'm not with the station anymore. We are doing this via Zoom, and soon it will be going to Facebook Live and YouTube Live, and we're still going to podcast. And I am so honored that today, my first guest in this new format, oh my God, I'm so excited about this, is, as you can see on the screen, Lisa Peterson. She is somebody I met years ago, and I'm so grateful that I met her. She's been a guest on the show before, and now she has a new book coming out that is groundbreaking. I mean, groundbreaking work, everybody, about money. I don't know about you, but everybody I talk to on my show, my listeners, my clients, they have hangups about money. Lisa, right? I mean, you see it all the time. Oh, and yeah. why is it that so many people, I mean, you were a financial uh, consultant, you have an amazing company called Wealth Clinic. Why do so many people? have hangups about money? Great question. <laughs> we could talk for hours. How much time do you have, Laura? <laughs> as much time as you want, because this is the all new, it's all about the questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I've been researching this, I feel like, since I was eight years old, honestly. Um, my parents had a lot of problems with money, and so that was pretty much the way that I entered the world, is watching people struggle. And I think that was why I became so passionate about helping people with it. But, you know, I talk about this in the book, but it's like, there's a gazillion reasons why it might not be working. And I think what's so, so sad, and I hope you can relate to this, is that there is a common thought that if you struggle with money for any reason, it's your fault. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is what I don't get now, you know, you're in your new book, the mindful millionaire. Now I know you have a copy because the copy I have was a, and I'm going to show it to everybody was an, uh, you know, an advanced copy of the book. And it's not the same cover as what you have, but it's stunning. <laughs> it's amazing. There it is. <laughs> I grew up never worrying about money until my dad's construction business went chapter 11. We were supposed to move to this beautiful house on the water on the Long Island Sound and all of a sudden it's like, no, we can't move there. And we're looking at other houses and I never, we always just had money for what we needed, never really thought about it. So that moment in time comes back to me. Every time I've looked for a house for myself, I could never look at a one-story house. And finally, one day I had to look at, why can't I look at one-story houses, especially when I moved to Florida, where like it's rare you have a two-story house. And I realized it was because when we couldn't move to the house on the water, my parents started looking at single-story houses in the New York area. And they were lovely homes, but we had been in a two-story, in Yonkers, New York that my dad had built. We were gonna move to another two story. And now all of a sudden it was a one story. So I've equated 
one story houses with lack, with mm -hmm. scarcity. Where does that come from? And is it something that can be healed? I mean, I know it can because your book talks about it. But <laughs> Yeah, this is a big deal because I think what you're talking about is the fact that you didn't even realize that this was happening and probably affected some of the ways that you thought about buying a house, how much you were going to have to spend to buy a house. Like it, it keeps going and going and going. So one unconscious belief can create thousands of decisions that we are making on you know a regular basis in our lives that we don't even realize we're making the decision because of that belief that got created and for you it was like there was just pain associated it was very difficult time for your family there was disruption there was a lot of stuff going on and what happens and what i see my clients do over and over again is an event happens and then we make meaning to it we give some kind of meaning and you may give a different meaning than a sibling or a parent or you know someone else in fact most of the time you do give it a different meaning right. it's your meaning and you go about living with it but you don't even realize that any of that happened and, and I didn't. And that's something that you talk about in, in your book, The Mindful Millionaire, was this whole idea that there are lots of people in the world that make tons of money, right? We see this all the time, multi-billionaires. And it seems like no matter how not nice a person they are, no matter how nice a person they are, because some of them are really lovely, wonderful people, money just seems to fall in their lap. Whether they, it appears they made a bad decision or not, people still flock to them, throw money at them. And then other people, no matter what they do, they can't seem to hold two nickels together, as my dad used to say. Is that something that can be changed or, or shifted? And if so, how? What, are, what can my listeners begin doing to understand that money and building wealth of any kind is more than just being a success in business. Right. Or winning the lottery. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me because I have studied it for so long and I want to be clear that it's not one size fits all. Like this work is not a get rich quick scheme. It's not about just like you're going to do three things and everything's going to change. It's about looking at these patterns that we're living within and realizing that that isn't necessarily got to be your reality. But because it's happened that way for a long time, you think that that's the only way it's ever going to be. So what I wanted to do and what I witnessed for my clients is I wanted to introduce the idea, first of all, that you can change. If you don't like it, you have a choice that, that it's not as simple as just like, boom, you know, you're changed. It's like, there's a process that you're likely going to have to go through to change the, the framework, change the patterns, change the beliefs. And because again, it's not just one belief, it's probably a collection of beliefs that sort of attach to each other and support each other. 
what I realized is after working with people and seeing those that didn't change and then seeing those that did change, I would compare like, what are, what are these folks doing differently? What, what does it take to turn your life around? And one client of mine, I've been working with her for four years and she just had a humongousoid breakthrough this past weekend, like four years, because it goes so deep inside of the way we think. It also has a lot to do with how we consider ourselves and the value that we bring into the world. Like that's gotten skewed for a lot of us. So those folks that are great at making a lot of money, they have a belief system that they can do it. You know, they're like, I can go make a lot of money. It's easy to make it if I lost it all. Like they really believe that. So they don't live in fear, right? They're like, I did it before I can do it again. But if you've never done it before, the challenge is, is we've got to start with like giving you some opportunities to see some small wins, be able to look inside and see where are some things that are like low hanging fruit, where are some opportunities where you do a few things differently and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, that worked. And then we start to kind of get on the, the self-help, you know, train saying, okay, wait a minute, like if that worked, then maybe this could work because when we're changing the whole way that we show up around money or we're wanting that we we just a little bit of reinforcement goes a long way does that make sense okay Let, let's talk about that a, a little deeper because i hear a lot of different things in that and having had the pleasure of reading the book in advance of its release um, next week i think it is there were some concepts that were kind of interesting to me and, and that you, you just talked about. It doesn't matter whether you came from money, whether you came from nothing, correct? You're saying that anybody who's willing to put some time in to understand and connect to their belief about money has the potential to shift their ability to earn and keep money. Definitely. Okay. So how does that process begin for somebody? So we'll give you a really easy, quick one, because this okay. just happened like a week or so ago. And someone had seen me talk about the framework that I cover in the book. So 30 minutes and real fast, she realized that even though she had been born and raised in a very wealthy home, and she wouldn't have necessarily sought my work out. She was like, I don't suffer from scarcity mindset. You know, it was kind of the way she was thinking of it, but she, she was in a group that I presented to. And in the course of learning about the framework, she came back to me and she said, oh my gosh, this is going to change my life. And I was like, Ooh, tell me more. And she said, growing up, plenty of money, single kid, whatever I wanted, it was available to me in a heartbeat. I crashed a car. The next day, a brand new car appeared in the driveway. Wow. Yeah. Like we're talking, woo, you know, I didn't have that. <laughs> we're <talking> movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. She's like, so here's the deal because it was always there. I could always have what I wanted. I equated money with love. Okay. And what happened now that she's got a business and she's trying to get it up and running is she's realizing every time she goes to sell anything to anyone, she's asking them to love her. Oh, interesting. Okay. Expand on that. 
Yeah. So like, there's a thought because the framework again, that's, this is the heart chakra that we talk about in the, you know, the book and, and you dive into, but the heart chakra is about giving and receiving. And if any kind of software uh, fragmentation happens in the action of giving and then receiving back, giving and receiving back, um, anything happens in there that isn't actually truth. So back to the beliefs, we adopt some beliefs. So the way she had adopted it was my parents give me things and that's a representation of how much they love me. Right? Right. So then whenever money is in her life, it is some form of love and appreciation when in reality, money is a tool. Money is not a representation. Now, I play with this in the book because I know that many people have gotten it confused and I encourage people to look at what's going on inside of the cycle. But does that help? Like that was what was falling apart. So she couldn't get her business up and running and profitable because she didn't want to do that. She didn't, you don't want complete strangers to like, feel like you're asking them to love you. You know that that's not what you're trying to achieve in a business. I have a, a lot of friends who are have their own businesses. They they started massage businesses or one-to-one kind of businesses. And one of the things I always hear from them is this person was struggling, so I gave them free sessions, or I can't charge people the amount of money I need to make this business successful. Or another one of my favorite ones is why am I always in a deficit, but my calendar is always filled with clients, but I can't seem to go into the black. I'm always in the red. And for those of you listening who are not familiar, that's an accounting term. If your books are in the red, you're in a deficit. You want them to be in the black, which means you're in the positive side of the cash um, thing. So how does that relate, Lisa, to the work you're doing, describing the example of the woman who from growing up had this idea, me, even the idea of one bedroom houses means scarcity. Yeah. Is, Is that all related? It is all related. Everything you just said would fit into the framework. It's the middle kind of belief system around love, appreciation, being paid according to the value that you put out there in the world, and then noticing that that doesn't feel like that's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And so when we return back to ourselves, because first we just notice the pattern, all of those things will be kind of related. So we notice that there's a pattern here. I'm underpaid. Let's just pick that one because okay. a lot of people feel that. And, and right. again, back to the heart chakra, I am not paid in, in a, real, a fair relationship to the value that I'm putting out into the world. Okay. We notice that and what we have to do, and, and again, I think this is why it takes a little bit of time and why I had to write a whole book about it is that you have to be able to return back to yourself to figure out where is the discrepancy coming from? What are the aspects that I have adopted in my life, in the way that I think about myself, in the way the world interacts with me? What isn't actually truth? And so it's tough to do this on ourselves on our own because we're so close to it. It's like that hand right in front of our face. We can't see it, which is why asking ourselves questions, you know, 
connecting with someone like myself who, who this is one of my superpowers. I just can ask a few questions and quickly get to that one core root belief that someone is holding on to. And then from there forward, it's just a matter of time before it busts. Because once you see it, once you realize that, oh my gosh, just like I said for this woman, I'm connecting it this way. That was enough for her to have the breakthrough. Like it doesn't have to be rocket science. For other people, and, and this client that I mentioned earlier, she's also working on the heart chakra. What we've realized is it's like an onion skin. You know, you peel back one layer and for her, she wasn't charging. She runs a really big house cleaning company and she wasn't charging what she needed to be charging for that company to have the kind of profitability she wanted. Right. But years later, so that was one of the big breakthroughs and I talk about that in the book. But just recently, we realized that it actually had another layer, which had a lot to do with the roles that she was playing in her family, of okay. being the one who always took on all the crap and made everyone else happy. Like, oh, yeah, I know, you know this one. <laughs> like, I'm going to be the garbage dump. And then everyone else, and then everyone can be happy. And no one actually realizes that I'm the one who's doing this. So I feel beaten down. I feel, you know, taken advantage of, right? These are all right. heart chakra things. So we can go deeper and deeper if we wish, but one breakthrough could double your income. Like that's how big this is. In the book, you talk about the scarcity concept and that there's seven scarcity patterns referring to my massive amounts of notes here because so much resonated that I wasn't expecting to resonate. Which was kind of frightening for me because, you know, I help people build their businesses and like similar to you when, you know, like you end up having to do some form of therapy with your clients, right? To help them move past it. And the book while I was going through it and reading the seven scarcity patterns, I went, I do not feel worthy. I do not feel like I am enough. Several of these different statements that you make as different scarcity patterns, I went, oh, I can relate to that. You know, not necessarily in every aspect of my life, but in, in some, especially since the sound-induced vertigo started, where everything just shut down. And, you know, like I couldn't even hear my own voice because it would trigger vertigo, right? I'm, I'm improving, but... Um, I do a bunch of stuff to enable me to do the show, right? Wow. So that I am not like <laughs> you know, falling <laughs> off my chair. Um, and then this whole idea, I, I, I'm trying to figure out my best way to ask a question because it was so emotional for me. Mm -hmm. Is it possible to kid yourself about your scarcity belief structure, your money belief structure. And I know you, you talk, you talk about the chakras and we're going to need to go into that for some of my listeners who really have no clue what that is, yeah. but this idea of scarcity, it's concerning to me because I, I think that it's more prevalent even in people who have massive success. Yeah. So can you talk to that and share with my listeners some questions they can ask themselves to help them uncover it and be okay if they have that belief? Because you don't want to beat yourself up, right? Just because right. you have this belief. 
Yeah, it's um it's really true. Everything you said, like you're on the right track. And I think it is really, really important that people don't beat themselves up. And I think, I hope you felt this way, but my goal was I was not going to finish this book until I removed all forms of judgment out of it. Because what I saw in financial books is there was this sort of it's your fault. You're making excuses. And I, and I could not bear the thought that somebody would open the book and have the me provoke. Like I can't help it if you provoke in yourself. Right. I, I try to create a safe environment because you're, and you do. you're right. Oh, good. Thank you. I've been working on this for 21 years. I have gone on long retreats, like three month long retreats in a closet where I was counting mantras for like hundreds of thousands of mantras. And, and that sounds totally bizarre, but I promise you, like I say that because the amount of work that I did in the deep diving in my own kind of awakening that, that I touch on in the book allowed me to see these patterns in a different way than most people do. So the book has a lot of meat to it because there's so much depth. But I also think that when we're touching upon these scarcity patterns, we need to go slow. We need to be super gentle with ourselves. And even if we just do like what you said, which is you kind of make some notes, you think, oh my gosh, you know, I, I am, I, I have not seen this before. It's again, not your fault. You haven't done anything wrong. You've probably done a lot of deep dive work. It's just most people haven't attacked this like I have. That's the only difference. And the reason I think I needed to do it was eventually we do come to these forks in the road and we're like, I know that I'm not doing something to bring myself into this place of joy, but I don't know what to do differently. And I promise you, if I were to spend five minutes with you, we would quickly find that that fork in the road that had something to do with scarcity. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just so subtle that um, you're going to see it when you're ready. The book is meant to kind of show you some things. I don't think I was trying to be... Um, so gentle that you didn't get anything out of it, right? So there's that fine balance of, you know, I would say the book is a more advanced um, book for that reason, because we're going to bring up some stuff that you probably aren't going to love seeing. Well, that it's interesting that you said it's a more advanced book because yeah, I because of the show, this is my fifth season doing the show. I've interviewed a lot of authors on a lot of different topics, a lot of experts on a lot of different topics that don't have books. And when I read this advanced copy of everybody, the book is The Mindful Millionaire, hold it up. The Mindful Millionaire (laughs) Overcomes Scarcity, Experience True Prosperity, and Create the Life You Really Want. I can't hold it up because my advanced (laughs) copy doesn't have the same glorious cover. But for me, it was beginner, intermediate, and advanced. I felt like the first time I read it through, I was just reading it to read it, right? Because I'm prepping for an interview. And then you can go through it again and again, and you go through the different levels in your body. And you don't see that very often in a lot of books, especially books talking about money and our relationship to money. And if anybody listening today thinks that you don't have a relationship to money, then you really need to go get Lisa's book, okay? (laughs) Because everybody has a relationship to money, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> you can't ignore it. It's part of every single aspect of life in one way or another. Yeah. And we're recording this during the pandemic. And people's relationship with money has shifted even more. Yeah. Because there's so much fear around it. So many people are out of work, don't know what to do, what's next for them. They don't know where their next paycheck is going to come. The media is building tons of fear around this is never going to end. It's just going to get worse, which we all know that during times of crisis, abundance soars mm -hmm. for those who can see, as Daniel Burris puts it, what's coming next, what's yeah. the, how to pivot, how to do those things. So taking that idea into account, you look at money and the relationship to money in a very different way. You mentioned the heart chakra. For people who don't know that and might be buying your book, which everybody should buy your book, everybody needs this book, and I don't say that with every book that's on my show, why is the body and the energy so important to help people heal through these things so that they can allow that abundance to come in or be okay with whatever does or doesn't. Mm -hmm. Is that a clear question? Yeah. Well, I knew first I'm going to step back and just kind of tell you how this book came to be, which is interesting because I think we can tie it into your question as well. Great. So I channeled a lot of the book and what that means is I literally would let the stories flow out of me because I wanted a book that would really speak to someone's heart, to have this very compassionate experience of storytelling and something you could kind of dig your, your um, teeth into, which right. was really important to me. Originally though, I tried to write a structured and framework oriented book and I couldn't do it. There was no passion in it. There was no heart in it. So I ended up letting it come then after I got all of that out, I started to see that it needed more structure. It needed a way for people to really, um, you know, to speak to the left brain, right? Which is important, especially with money. But my friend recently shared with me, she said, it's almost like you imagine a tomato bush growing. If you don't have some kind of trellis to support that tomato bush, it won't grow. It just kind of hangs off the edge, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so the cool thing about the book is it's about bringing these two worlds together where we have storytelling, we have a, an intimate experience with you know this idea of the relationship with money but the framework was just as important because if there wasn't that we wouldn't have people being able to walk away from it and like think oh my gosh what's going on in my life How, apply the regular day-to-day -day experiences to the framework and that's where the chakras came in okay. they were able to show me that there is actually something that goes back four thousand years it's what inspired you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It inspired the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell. Like these, this idea of the chakras is that there is an energy flowing through all of us and through, you know, nature and so forth. But the cool thing with, with the seven major chakras is they show us a pathway to human maturation meaning okay. they start out when we're in the womb and they continue till about 25 or 26 years of age. And all the things that we go through in that time frame is showing us kind of if we if we get to that 
26, 27, and we haven't had any trauma. We've just had this beautiful, perfect yellow brick road life. Maybe we don't need my book, but I have not met those people. Most people have had some kind of wounding or challenges or you know difficulty. And what happens is even with the framework, we can see that based on when things happened, in our lives that might have really shook us, it can be equated back to the energy centers of the body because they're developing from the top down. Okay. So what I did was I started realizing that money and the way we engage with it, again, working with people and their money for 30 years, I saw all these patterns and building wealth for myself. I started to see that each of those stages, those seven stages, translate to an, a particular experience with money. And that was what made it kind of all come together okay. so that people could, um, you know, I just, I, I don't use the chakras because they're spiritual. I use them because there was a way of explaining our whole lives in a super simple way. And then you could have bigger breakthroughs as a result of that. I happen to love in the book where you talk about the hero's journey and how at the end of the book you start tying all the different pieces of building a house as well to the chakras to uh, uh, the hero's journey to maslow and and all of that that to me was brilliant my favorite part was you actually brought star wars into it and I'm a total <laughs> star wars geek so I, I was like oh yeah okay i can relate to it and and my dad was in construction so he was a builder. So I totally related to the building analogy. And I relate to the, the chakra part too, because I've had to understand my body and everything that's gone on with all the healing stuff. But for a number of my listeners, they hear chakra and they go, woo, woo, you know, there's <laughs> no way that that's going to relate. So I love how in the book you explain it as like the Maslow stuff. So um, fears or acceptance or feeling safe. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, the idea of money or lack of money scares the heck out of them. Yeah. And for some people, having money scares them. Yep. <laughs> that was a new concept to me. I, I worked with a client and that came up for them like having money scared them because they were so afraid they were going to lose it. Right. So therefore they always lost it. Yes. Yeah. So how does the process in your book, the I prosper process help somebody step through it on their own? And you have tons of materials, your website where they can get all the materials when they buy the book. What's yep. that yep. link? Yeah. So if they go to mindfulmillionairebook.com and they register, then they get all the meditations that accompany the process. They get worksheets and lots of good stuff. Yeah. Okay. So how does that process help somebody go, go through that? So that was still a little confusing for me because I, I, I was just like, oh my God, there's just so much in here. Yeah, there is so much in here. And I love how you said you just kind of read it through the first time. I actually think that's the best possible way because it's hard to dive into something when you're just starting to get familiar with the concepts. But here's what I would say to that question. My goal was to do everything in my power to keep the, the ability for the reader 
to, do, to be able to do this work like on their own. That was number one. So, you know, the beginning of the book, the first part is about my own journey and about scarcity and prosperity and kind of some of the storytelling. But the second part is I prosper, which is, you know, standing for intention and pattern, reclaiming your feelings, opportunity. Each of these stages are what I, I reverse engineered the process that I was going through with my clients when I was working with them privately. I was like, well, what is this stage? What, what's happening right now? Like what, what helps them go to the next stage? Okay. And that was kind of what ended up, you know, wanting to come through. And that's why I prosper is there is it's like, you can set your own pace. I figure somebody could do it in a month or two where you literally go through and you're answering the questions and it's walking you through the stages so that you set yourself up for success to make those changes. So I just wanted to make it super simple. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it, it does. Let's just expand on it a little bit because one of the things, of course, I love about your book is it poses a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all about questions. I mean, even my book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? Questions to Ask Along the Way, right? It's all about using questions to shift perspectives, to shift the way you think about things and to awaken mm -hmm. something that most people kind of know is there, but don't quite want to acknowledge. Let's, if you're willing to play with me, yeah, take people through like how they would start to become a mindful millionaire and work through this problem, we probably should define what you mean by a mindful millionaire to start. Yep. And then if you're willing to just five minutes or so, just kind of take us through a little bit of it. Want people to have something. Yeah, that's great. So a mindful millionaire is someone who isn't just all about the money. They may or may not even want to be a millionaire, just to be honest. Like, it's your choice. And I don't say that that's the pathway to all your happiness. My The pathway to the happiness is being able to feel like you're a million bucks, regardless of what's going on with your finances, to have that kind of confidence in yourself. And then also to be very aware and mindful of how you earn money, how you spend money, how you invest your money. And again, I'm not telling you how to do those things, but I'm encouraging you to notice that all of those things that you do with money have a long-term lasting value in your life. And you will gain greater happiness by just being aware of what's going on. So that's a mindful millionaire. So the way that we even mentioned it, like if we're just going to think about the book. So you buy the book, you read it one time through, then you go back and you go to that second part of the book, which is this inquiry phase. And, and I'm very clear in giving lots of detail of like how important it is to set intention, how important it is to have some kind of mindfulness and meditation practice. I, I introduce meditation and also breath work as some possibilities of things you can use. Because even before you start the process, I want you to have some degree of control over your mind. And that could even be in a couple weeks of just regular daily five minutes of meditation kind of thing. Are you with me on that? I, I am. And I somewhat have a meditation life. Not really. You've always told me as long as I've known you, Laura, you need to meditate more. <laughs> 
I need to be more conscious of it, right? And and make it an actual practice. And I was on with a health coach last night and she's like, Laura, you need to put your self-care, your getting on the foam rollers, your meditation on your calendar, because she knows me. Um, in the book, you you lay out that intention of the work to do before you do the work. Yeah. And I know that's gonna potentially scare some of my listeners at the idea of that. And I don't want them to feel worried about that because you don't have to be perfect at it. No, no, right. And, and that's why I give uh, breathwork meditations. Actually, that's funny because we're working on all the freebies and I, <laughs> that was one I forgot. So there we go. <laughs> breathwork <laughs> meditations that are like less than five minutes. Like we're going to give you the tools that you push the button and you get to listen. And if you give me five minutes, <laughs> I'm going to help you. <laughs> so it, we're trying to keep it really, really simple. However, the research is there. I mean, this book, we haven't talked about that, but there is a ton of research that I did to bring in, like, this is scientifically backed. Like, I'm not making stuff up. I'm no. going to show you how you can set yourself up for success. That's all. You know, that's all. But again, we're going to meet you wherever you're at. And, um, and I just don't think about being perfect. Just think about trying something new. Okay. And, and for those who are listening, who are like me, engineering brain, in addition to creative braining, or if you're just engineer brain uh, and you're going finance, you know, there's got to be concrete stuff about actual finance. Um, I love Lisa, how in at the end of the book, the third phase, I think it was a third phase or was it the fourth phase of the process? You literally take people through, okay, here's all the stuff you need to do, including logging everything you spend money on for 30 days, including understanding your, what we would in business call your, your EBITDA, right? Your, here, here's your bottom line. What's your profit? What's your loss? What are your expenses? You know, what's, what are your takeaway? Are you on the the top of the curve or at the bottom of the curve or even the black or the red, you literally take people through every aspect of their finances that they need to be looking at as they're clearing these emotional, mental scarcity mindsets. Yeah. It's the best way to think about it is we can, even though it's mindful millionaire, that's sort of the realized state. That's like where I'm working to you know, achieve, like we're all on the pathway. But as we get there, we can break apart the two aspects, the inner work from the outer work. We don't have to be perfect in one to be able to do the other one or vice versa. We can break them apart and we can say, what can I do today? You know, like, is it going to be more mind, uh, my, well, more mental mindset stuff, or am I going to focus on my finances? We actually want to be doing both because they're both really, really important to the overall well-being of our life, but we don't have to master one to be able to master the other. Most of the books that are out there and most of the wealth coaches out there really just talk about the money. They talk about logging everything you spend, cutting out expenses you don't need, um, taking a, a post-it note and perhaps sticking it on your wallet to say, I'm saving money for X. 
So I'm not going to spend money on, on why, or I, I loved your idea in the book, by the way, of putting money in a separate account. That's not something you see all the time. It's something I always did with my business to save things. I had money in another bank completely. And when I was working corporate, money immediately went into there that I never even looked at. And then mm -hmm. I had my working account. And it's like, this is what I can work with. That Those are not easy concepts for people who perhaps never had money mm -hmm. to, to understand that. So taking it from the other side of the equation now for, say, people who okay, I understand the, the chakra stuff. I understand the mindset stuff, but I really need to get a handle on my finances. Mm -hmm. What are some steps, first things that they could begin looking at while they're waiting for your book to come out or if they're listening to us after the book came out to get them feeling like they're in control of something because money yeah. seems to control people when people should be in control of money or is that not what you're thinking is? Well, I think that getting in control of your money is, is a very, very important thing. So the more you focus on it in, in not having it take over your life, which is kind of my story, I made money like my God and I focused all and everything on it. And I talk about that, but in this case, we're like having a nice balanced middle path where you're paying enough attention to it that it grows just like a relationship, right? If you pay a lot of attention to, you know, my case, my husband, the relationship thrives, it grows. If I ignore him, it doesn't do so well. Like it's pretty simple. Okay. Money is pretty simple that way. So I came from nothing, became a self-made millionaire by my mid thirties. The one thing I will say again and again and again, and why I make a big deal out of it in the book is I paid attention to my net worth starting right after I got out of my MBA program in finance. I just started regularly doing my net worth statement. Like it's not a normal thing, but I do know that it actually makes a huge impact. Now there's a caveat. Some people will do their net worth statement and it will actually come out negative. It's not all that uncommon when you have a lot of student loans or when maybe you, your home, has, you, you bought it with very little down and it hasn't appreciated, right? You might have car loans. Like, or a health it may crisis. not be, yeah, health crisis, totally, a job loss. Like right now, this might not be an easy exercise to do, but there is, it is far better to be aware of a problem than to avoid it. And what I've seen is when things get tough and they're difficult, we avoid it, which is the exact opposite of what we want to be doing. The Mindful Millionaire is meant to kind of give you some padding to realize, A, it's not your fault. You don't have to beat up on yourself. You have a process now that you can follow. But, but that would be the first thing. See, you know, Take an assessment of where you are you know, looking at, at the bottom line. So there's a worksheet in there to do it, but you can Google online and say, how do I calculate my net worth statement? And then from there, you can start to see where are the things that are, that are not where I'd like them to be. You know, it might be, I'd like to save more for my retirement. I'd like to have a better emergency savings account. I'd like to pay off this credit card that I'm paying 21% interest rate on. You know, like it gives you a chance to start 
breaking things down and deciding where do you want the changes to happen. When it comes to building wealth, there's really you know, two primary ways we do that. One is making a lot more money or making more money. The other is spending less, or the third would be a combination of those or, you know, some kind of mutation, but it's like a catch-all. But it's pretty simple. The issue is, is most people don't pay enough attention to the key drivers that they don't make a big impact in not just the short term, but probably more important, the long term. I have a somebody who heard me speak at several events back when we all spoke at events, right? (laughs) Now it's all Zoom events, but she owed back taxes. She hadn't submitted taxes for years. And, you know, the fees and the fines just go up dramatically. And I just tried to help her to, okay, just pick one year and do it. And she just had such a block and she's buying your book, by the way. For so many people, the act of taking pen to paper Mm -hmm. to say, take my checkbook and go, here's what I'm spending money on or using, uh, you mentioned a website in your book, something about budget that. Oh yeah. You need a budget.com. You need a budget.com. I use Quicken just because I like it. It's on my computer. I'm a, I'm a geek, but I'm not a huge fan of a lot of cloud things. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Whatever works. But I have friends that use youneedabudget.com. The actual moment where they start writing a number down freaks them out. Yeah. Like it becomes such a huge, <sighs> like, like stabbed in the chest and they can't breathe. Yep. So to my listeners who, when we were just talking about, you need to understand your net worth. You need to know your numbers, even though it's hard and can be painful, what would be your advice to them, your suggestion to them to, to ease that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's different for different people. If the tendency is to beat up on yourself, to really pay attention to that, because I think that the reason it's painful is because it's eliciting some kind of response, an unconscious, for the most part, response. And, you know, I talk about this uh, a little bit about the parent. So the parent's coming up in my mind. So inside of our head at any time, we have an inner child, we have an inner parent, and then we have the adult, which is kind of where we're trying to head to, where the adult is navigating the two. But for many people with money, they either have, you know, an overactive child who kind of goes out and spends, even though they know they don't have the money to spend, for example, that'd be just one of many examples or the parent. And the parent is like, you messed up, you screwed up, you made mistakes. How could you, you must not be very smart. Like, and it's a narrative that's going 24 seven or when you focus on the money stuff that you're, you're, you're kind of avoiding right now. So even that knowing, oh my gosh, I heard Lisa and Laura talking and I can see the parent. Like I see her and she's like totally running my life. Like good. Like now we know because she's not real. She's not the voice of God. That's probably what you're treating her like right now. And okay. you, you, if you can just see her and call her out and be like, 
here comes slugger and I don't want anything to do with you, you will be able to put that part of yourself aside and then get down to doing the things that we're talking about here. Okay. So it's acknowledging that fear, mm-hmm. that, that <gasps> breathless feeling that you may have at the thought of talking to yourself about money takes away the power. At least that's what I've seen for myself. Brene Brown says this a lot with shame. If you say somebody, I'm feeling ashamed because of this, and you've shared it with somebody, there's no longer that same shame because shame can't hide in the light. Yeah. So good. Money's the same way. I love telling people, I mean, another fun exercise for people to play with would be have a conversation with money, like out loud, just talk to money as if it's a person. And sometimes it'll be like, you've got to be kidding me. Like we do, like, I really don't enjoy you. You know, like let it come out, record it, send it to a friend if you want, but freak have the me conversation. Out. You freak me out. I feel so powerless when you're hanging out with me. Like <laughs> I freeze, you know, like have fun with it because you might laugh and you might cry and you might do all of the above, but it's super, super healthy. I feel like we just ran through a a tapping EFT session there with different things you can (laughs) say. Money, you freak me out. I'm so freaked out about money. Oh my God. (laughs) Like all of a sudden the, the tension around it dissipates when you just say it out loud. It's almost like you can laugh at it because when you say it, it's, it loses the power. Completely. Or at least you acknowledge the power it held and asking for help almost. Yeah, I am a big fan of, of what would we call this talk therapy, <laughs> self-talk therapy, <laughs> because it works. And, um, you know, doing this job for the past six years where I'm sharing all this stuff and sharing my innermost secrets and putting them in the book and just like, oh my gosh, what have I shared? I was on So Money, Farnoosh Tarabi's podcast a few years ago, and she's like, ask something about like your biggest regret. And I was like, oh, are you really going to share this? Because there's so much shame inside of this one thing. And it was back when I was a financial advisor, I started seeing this astrologist who I'd never done anything like that before, but mind you, but I was trying to figure out what my purpose was and where I was supposed to go with my life. And he's like, the whole world's going to fall apart. It's going to happen in 2015. Don't have any money in the stock market. You're going to lose everything. This is, and he had been an investment banker. Well, I was a financial advisor and I'm receiving this information in. It created like a very, you know, perplexed sort of experience, but I, I did not invest during that huge boom. Like I would have because he was, he had my ear and I missed out on hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars because I let fear control me, even though I knew the data. I knew that that was ridiculous, that that even if it did go down, it would come back up. You know, like at that time, I just didn't need to be listening to a conspiracy, you know, but, but I did. And we all have things where we're like, I really shouldn't have done that. You know, that was not in my own, my own long-term best interests. And by me sharing it all the time here now and in the book, I, it helps me. I'm free. 
I'm like, yeah, I can still cringe a little bit, but it doesn't hold me hostage. Like where you lay at night, you know, trying to fall asleep going, I can't tell my husband, I can't tell my wife, I can't tell anyone what I did. You know, like that's not living. At, at the beginning of the interview, you said, said that one of the things you wanted to, that you hoped came from the book was that people didn't feel judged by you when they were reading the book. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I really felt throughout the book, looking at it from a reader, looking at it from an interviewer, looking at it as a, I may have some, I know I have some issues around money myself. Um, I think rather than saying you, that you didn't, you hoped not to have people feel judged, I felt like you took the shame away from fear or worry or money. Mm -hmm. And that is huge, Lisa. Because I think people that are struggling with money, even if they're multimillionaires, they can feel this shame around having money or not having money, about spending money or not spending money. And that to me is huge, that you, that that comes through to me so clearly in the book, mm -hmm. that you want people to let go any shame they might feel about lack, about scarcity, or even shame about abundance, mm -hmm. because there are many out there that have, even if they have $100, that having that abundance of $100 makes them feel ashamed, so they have to give it away. Or they not just give it away, but maybe they, they buy something they don't need because they feel like they can't have it. They can't mm -hmm. keep it. Looking at that concept, why, why is that so important? Mm -hmm. So I think this was the thing that I saw in working with people, you know, as their financial advisor, working with them as their mortgage banker, working with them, you know, in insurance. I saw the amount of shame people were holding on to and guilt and remorse and regret. And I knew that in order to create an opening for people to heal, that if I could meet them and kind of share my own experiences and be really honest and open. And, and I think, like you said, I, I did a lot of things very carefully about like, this is why we think the way we do about ourselves. And this is how we can start to change it. Like, I just knew if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't be able to help people in the way that I wanted to help them because they, they, kind of throw the book across the room. And you still might do that, by the way. Like there may be moments where you're like, dang it, touche, boom, you know, chuck it. <laughs> but not because of anything but like a breakthrough sort of thing, right? Different than she's trying to motivate me by like making me feel bad. Like that's ridiculous. I don't so even know how anybody could write that book. I've read many books where people do that. I know, me too. And those people are not allowed on my show. Yay! <laughs> you know, I get books from people and they're like, we want to be on your show. And I'm like, well, I don't know you. Most of the people came through other people, but sometimes you get random people. And I'm like, I need to read your book. 
to see if it's in alignment with my, my values, my integrity, you know, and I'll read it and I'll go, Oh my God, no way. I, I don't even believe what is being said in here. That is just horrific. But yeah. I know that'll resonate with somebody else, but not not my audience, not with me. If I can't stand behind something, it, it just can't be there. So I we're we're at the end of the show right now, and and I could just talk to you for hours. And I know you're <laughs> going to come back on in another month or so after the book's been out there, and and we'll talk about where things are going for people. But where can people get the book? get all the extra materials, reach out to you if something's come up for them. I know you have a Facebook community for people where they can get help and, and talk about these things. Share. Thank you. So like we mentioned, the mindfulmillionairebook.com is a great place to start. Uh, you can buy the book anywhere and it is internationally available, but we're still working on rights. So that's coming up a lot right now. So if you can't find it, Amazon may be the only option, sorry, but outside of the US. And um, so when you go to mindfulmillionairebook.com, you'll go kind of scroll down, you can see the book trailer, but there's a place where you want to click once you bought the book and register so that you can get all the meditations and the other freebies that will continue to come your way. And we'll continue to add to that. It's also mentioned in the book. So if you forget, you're going to see it on page, you know, five or 10 or something, go this place, get these meditations, let us help you. And they also can go to wealthclinic.com there they could take what's called a prosperity quiz and that actually helps you kind of dive into some of the questions and things that we've been talking about here that's a great place to start if you aren't even sure that the book is the right thing due to that and then finally the the mindful millionaire facebook community was created specifically for this moment with the book coming out so as people are doing the work they can start sharing like we've been talking about the importance of sharing you might not want to share with your family or your friends but you can come join me on the Facebook group and share stories and share and, and see what other people are sharing. And it's, my hope is that we all get, you know, we get out of our own way and we start realizing that if we do this in a free community, that, that we can help each other. That's my, that's my intention. That's awesome. Mindfulmillionairebook.com or wealthclinic.com. I, I love this book. I think it's an important book for everybody to have. And, you know, I'm grateful for the arc. I'm grateful for the pages of notes that I took in advance and that, you know, I've taken during the show. And most of all, Lisa, I'm just grateful that you care enough to help people have a better relationship with money and in the process of that, a better relationship with themselves and their families because of it. So thank you for that. And thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. I'm so appreciative of everyone listening in. And as you know, occasionally everybody listening out there, I give away a free copy of some of the books on my show. And this is one of them. So um, if you reach out to me on social media anywhere, it's at the Laura Stewart on any of the social media platforms, or you email me directly at Laura at Laura.com. The first person who does that is going to get a free copy of, hold up the book, Lisa, The Mindful Millionaire, because I don't have a copy of this cover. And um, you're going to get a free copy. And um, I just think it's that important that we're going to do that. So thank you again, Lisa. Thank you.
And remember everybody, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? And above all, be kind to everybody, ask great questions, and always lead with your heart. Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.